What? There we are. Welcome everybody to another episode of Just Two Dads with my co-host Sean Francis. I am Brian Altunian, and today we've got a special conversation we're going to be having. Um, it's interesting. We talk a lot about. We've been talking a lot about mental health over the last several uh, months with uh, the pandemic, and and um, we had an uh, interesting conversation with today's guest. We talked about autism and and autism and women, which is a, a slightly different conversation. Something that I think I'll speak for Sean when I say something that I was not totally expecting, but it's it's going to be a fascinating conversation. So hang with us here today on Just Two Dads. Awesome. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Just Two Dads. If you're catching us on Facebook Live, hello. Please put your comments in uh, in the chat. We'll get a chance to talk. You're going to have, I, I think, you're going to have some some comments and some questions for for our guest Alex Pearson. We're very excited to uh, be talking to her today. I want to, if you're not catching us live on Facebook, but you're catching us on our YouTube channel, hopefully um, you'll subscribe. Send you know, send the episode to friends that you know, somebody that this will make an impact to. Uh, impact on impact for I guess all of those things, and uh, and if you're catching us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, wherever you're hearing us, welcome. Uh, we uh, look forward to hearing feedback and and encourage you to participate as much as possible. This is a conversation that Sean and I started. Uh, well, we've started this conversation about six years ago, but we started doing this on a podcast about a year and a half ago. And not only are we now on all these podcast outlets, but we also have. Our show on WSTX uh, AM radio in the U.S. Virgin Islands. So, welcome to all of our listeners there as well. Um, this conversation is going to be fascinating today. I think I probably say that every time, every time we get started. But I'm fascinated by the subject matter. I'm fascinated by our guest. Um, she's an amazing, an amazing powerhouse. And I can't wait for you all to meet Alex Pearson. But before we jump and say hello to Alex, we'll say hello to Sean Francis, my partner in Thrive. How are you today, Sean? I am blessed, eager, anxious, and ready to go. So um, we'll go That's ahead good. and um, uh, get started. Welcome to Just Two Dads, Alex Pearson. Hi, thank you so much. I'm also anxious to get started. I'm always anxious at the beginning of things. But then it gets easier, right? Yeah, it that does. It does. We always yes. have to start someplace. To a flow. And this is something I yep. actually love to focus on with companies. And I've been speaking about this a little bit as a topic of interest of mine, but it's the idea of flow. Mm -hmm. And I think... A lot more people are learning about flow now because they're learning that when they're in a flow state, they can do their most creative work um, mm -hmm. without having to take breaks or without even noticing how long it's been. But it's like a total and complete immersion into the things that you love and into your passion and things like that. So we're going to get Definitely. into a flow after I, we feel less anxious. Feeling, yes, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling already. And I would say, Sean and I probably, we feel that way every time we do an episode because yeah. the hour goes by so quickly. We're like, yeah. How did that happen? And partially yep. that's because we are totally in flow. Right? Well, and you there know you that go. Barbara Streisand has stage fright still and she takes beta blockers. So she actually takes beta mental health awareness. She takes beta blockers for her anxiety because some people have such horrible stage fright that they um, have such a somatic reaction to it that they actually need medication to block adrenaline. Isn't wow. that crazy? Because yeah. they black out. Yeah, a lot of people wow. that are performing on stage completely black out from the stress and the overwhelm of just like being in front of a lot of people, being on TV and stuff like that. So they mm -hmm. have to take medication to keep themselves from fainting. Yeah. Amazing. Well, let's, <laughs> let's, um, we usually start with, you know, telling us a little bit about yourself, but specifically, you know, you might not look at yourself as a hero because you're just being who you are and walking your path, but we see you as a hero and every hero has an origin <laughs> from where their powers come. So tell us a little bit about, your, uh, you know, how you grow up, where you're from, all that kind of stuff, um, your journey in autism yeah. before yeah. we get into the whole business portion of it. Yeah. So um, quick disclaimer, I am just chronically not impressed with myself. That's part of my uh, trauma. <laughs> so <laughs> whenever other people say like, wow, you're just doing such amazing work and I can't believe it. Or I've actually, I was just on a call this morning and someone said like, you know, you're famous, right? We didn't think we'd be able to contact you. And I was like, what? Like, I don't think of myself like that. But also, um, it's all been digital. So it feels like a lot of autistic people and people with ADHD have object permanence problems. 
And basically that means that once we don't see something in front of us, we just forget. So <laughs> like a lot of us mm -hmm. need um, reminders on sticky notes or like a physical physical planner. We write, I actually write notes on my mirror with um, uh, dry erase markers. Mm -hmm. um, but because we have object permanence issues, if we don't see something, it's not, doesn't exist. Basically. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, I forgot why I brought that up, but anyways. I was basically because we think you're a hero. That's why. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. am chronically so not impressed with origin, myself. The origin of your powers. Okay. Yes. The origin of my powers comes from um, a lot of trauma. From uh, Isn't character built from struggle? Though? Oh, most definitely. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, before I get into it, I just want to say how many inspiring people have been in my life that have shaped the character of who I am. I think I think a lot of people can relate to autism in their own lives just by the way that we have people we admire. Um, mm -hmm. We autistic people. I'll do a I'll do a quick um, stigma smasher real quick. Stigma smasher alert. <laughs> um, <laughs> just flash it. Stigma smasher. Stigma, <laughs> stigma smasher. smasher. We're gonna break down barriers. Um, a lot of autistic people that are women, especially are people systemizers. And we also often have our special interests be people or things. And so I noticed that how that manifests for me as a woman is I have certain thought leaders that I'm just addicted to. Like mm. I love them and I get so obsessed with um, people's personas, like their personalities, not necessarily like their family life or like anything in like People Magazine, but I'm mm -hmm. interested in like their method of acting. So I'm really interested in like method actors, right? Like Johnny Depp is a method actor and I have movie posters and stuff all over here. I love movies. And um, anyways, method actors actually completely pretend they are that character full time. Mm. Like that's what method acting is. And it's like Jared Leto does it too. So when he played the Joker, he actually pretended to be the Joker and in his real life and he like sent his friends like weird gifts in the mail <laughs> as the joker and his friends mm -hmm. were like are you kidding or like are, <laughs> like he sent somebody like a dead rat or something i heard weird. about that yeah yeah about yeah. That. yeah but so yeah. stuff like that like i'm watching stuff like that interests me and i'm very mm -hmm. interested in people that are passionate about their work and that have a subject of interest that's similar to mine and so that's what a lot of autistic women do is become experts at people or become experts mm -hmm. at um, researching online. I'm an expert Googler. If you ever mm -hmm. need something Googled, like hit me up. Any anyone can DM me if they're if they're like, I have a problem and I don't know how to Google the answer because I've never been faced with a problem I couldn't find on Google. Like the why answer. do you think why do you think that that is specifically attributed to more so women um, or females than males on the spectrum? Yeah. So I think that women are in inherently socialized differently. Like, women are socialized differently. I think it's a socialization issue. It's mm -hmm. not even necessarily men and women. I think because I, I focus on women because personally, I know that women are underdiagnosed, just mm -hmm. that's the data. So I'm speaking to that specific underserved population. But I think all of my work and everything I say applies to people who are also men who mask. I've had men message me and say, um, oh, and non-binary people as well, of course. But I've also had men message me and say, like, I relate to all of your masking videos. I'm a male and I know you speak primarily to women, but like, I also mask. And I know a lot of very successful businessmen that mask and are autistic and have great business personas. But when they go mm -hmm. home, they're like so autistic in their house. Mm. And but but they're going to work and they're showing up every day as a neurotypical, as a non-autistic person. And they're like really internally struggling with mm -hmm. not having any needs met at work. Um and expecting themselves to perform at the same level as neurotypicals without any accommodations. Um, so I would say my work applies to both men and women. Really, this all came about as research came out into adult autism and as research came out in the area of masking and camouflaging, which is adults who have been misdiagnosed and who have not known they're autistic for so long have mm -hmm. had been forced to through trauma, create trauma responses to cover up the fact that they don't know that they're neurodivergent. That's it's crazy. That's so yeah. fascinating because I I made a post today on social media based on something I read in a book last mm -hmm. night, which mm -hmm. said, you know, imagine if we took the same energy that we spend trying to be somebody else, if we spent that same energy finding and being ourselves. Oof. So, um, Where's you know, because you, you're you're so we're so naturally someone else. You know, as, as a child, you're, you know, yeah. parents determine, you know, um, what you wear. Um, right. When you don't have fed. an identity, you're shaping an identity and you're Completely. looking to other people for identities. You're looking to 
like little kids love action figures, right? And stuff like that. They love um, Power Rangers or SpongeBob or whatever. And there's certain aspects of those personalities that they think are funny or interesting, right? And so you see kids um, scripting. I think a lot of kids script where they say the words from movies that they hear. Yeah. So they're yeah. saying lines from movies. They're Without singing, a diagnosis. Even, yeah, yeah, they're singing lines from movies, but non-autistic kids do this too. And I think that's where the confusion comes in because it's like what makes someone autistic and what makes somebody just like interested in a certain topic. And right. the autism is just like... <laughs> 10 times, like a hundred times what the neurotypical kids doing. So right. like I would choose as a child to watch Peter Pan four times in a row over anything else. Like I didn't want to do anything but watch Peter Pan every day for like two years. And it's like, hmm, maybe, mm, okay. <laughs> maybe not just like an average interest in Peter Pan or Disney, <laughs> you know, it just goes way beyond. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to just ask you, so if you don't mind me asking you, because, you know, you're not supposed to ask a woman, but how old are you, Alex? No, there's no boundaries. Woman? I mean, there's obviously <laughs> some boundaries in this conversation, but there's not like, you don't need to like double think before you ask something, because I'm an open book. And if I feel okay. uncomfortable, I'll say I'm uncomfortable and I'll, I'll give you some other answer. So don't okay. worry about that. So because you, you know that you weren't diagnosed till you were an adult, so I'm trying to mm -hmm. figure out, because I know that when we were born, yeah. based on services available, have a lot to do with those things. Yeah. How old are you? And I also think that my success has, I guess I'm going to say success, it is success at this point, has been mm -hmm. attributed to um, the generation I'm a part of. I think I'm okay. really excited about my generation and my very specific subset of my generation and what we're mm -hmm. going to be able to do together. Um, but yeah, so I was diagnosed at 24. Um, I am now 26. Uh, okay. I found out I was autistic at 24. I was diagnosed at 25 and now I'm 26. So it's okay. been the past two years, but I've known full on through online resources and sources and other autistic people that I was absolutely autistic mm -hmm. since I was 24. And then I was diagnosed as ADHD and also with sensory processing disorder when I was about seven or eight years old. Mm -hmm. So I've always known I had a neurological difference, you know, and I also had the history of trauma. So I also was dealing with that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Um, Interesting. Else I was going to say, wait, what was I just talking about? Do you remember? This also uh, happens to autistic people. Hi, listeners. We forget things mid. -sentence. See, you know, that's the other. That's the other thing. That's the yeah, other thing I'm gonna let people in on. So we're gonna, we're just not gonna have enough time today. There's too much to unpack. We'll but do another one. We're we're talking about you, your path, and how autism affects women. But I I was a kid who would you know had tutors and all kind of tests and everything done because totally. I presented in conversation as this you know, bright, engaging person and yeah. wise beyond my years, as they would tell me as a kid. Totally. But I was bored in the classroom and I yes. never got diagnosed with anything. Are you and gifted? So are you GT? Are you gifted and talented or are you um, just only interested in things you're ADHD type of tendencies, do you think? It's probably more the latter because from an okay. academic standpoint, there's capability, but none of that stuff. But what I was getting at is that as I speak to you, you get me so curious about hmm, what did they miss? What did they miss? And it, it makes you wonder again, the other thing we could be talking about on the show is you know, might you be on the spectrum? Might you, you know, oh, what totally. might somebody, you know, yeah. have missed? So uh, where, where, where did you grow up then? I was born in Austin, Texas, and mm -hmm. I'm doing the Texas tour right now. So I was born in Austin. I went to college, played collegiate soccer on scholarship in San Antonio at St. Mary's mm -hmm. University. Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved to Houston to go to graduate school sort of near Galveston, um, mm -hmm. a little bit closer to Galveston than in Houston. It was called University of Houston, Clear Lake. Okay. Um, so I got my master's in industrial organizational psychology there following my bachelor's in psychology. Um, and then now I live in downtown Houston and it's great. Mm. Or it's, so it's what, okay. It's loud. What? what <laughs> it's real. Yeah, what, it's real. What, it's what drew you to, um, what drew you to psychology? Um, I think the whole people systemizer thing I had, same as you, I had, I was very wise beyond my years and I learn, I've learned a lot about how that happens to kids and why there are kids that seem so grown up so early. And it mm -hmm. often has to do with like us taking on more responsibilities than we probably should as a child and kind of stepping into a role that's more supplementary to your parents or to your siblings, or like mm -hmm. you're kind of taking on a mentor type role for your siblings because you're, I was the oldest child. And mm -hmm. the psycho, actually something that interests me was I took a psychology class in um, college, a, a psychology of personality class. 
and we talked about how the personality types and uh, tendencies that children have are significantly different based on what order of birth they're in. So mm, like oldest that. children are very similar to other older children because there is some of that like motherly, almost motherly or fatherly role that comes with being the oldest child and the guinea pig for the parents who don't know what they're doing yet. Mm -hmm. um, and then, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, um, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that middle child who is often like really feels stuck and kind of like in between the youngest and oldest, like not, not a bookend, right? Kind of like in the middle. And sometimes they get lost in the soup, right? They get lost in the mm -hmm. sauce middle children mm -hmm. do. <laughs> um, and then youngest children tend to be, uh, have the most lenient restrictions of any child that the parents have ever had because it's their last one. And they're like, right. I know what I'm doing now. Um, and we can talk also about gender differences. There's also like men have a lot more leniency in childhood than young women do. There's lots of rules for young women, lots of scripts for young women, lots of protecting our body, how to speak to men, what to say. You know, there's a lot of like, cultural and media guidance for women in terms of how to act and behave as a woman. Good and bad. Um, yeah. Right. Which I think you're right. It is good and bad because I think it can be difficult when you don't know that you're autistic because you're just like taking all of that as absolute fact. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're watching movies, you're watching TV shows, you're hearing from teachers, you're hearing from parents and you think they're just speaking like the gospel, like they're speaking the gospel and like, they adults, know. Yeah. Yeah, and mm -hmm. you just trust them. And I think as a young person, you always trust older people that have more guidance than you and more wisdom than you, right? And so you just, you kind of blindly, have to blindly trust people when you're a young lady, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and it's I funny because what you've just, you painted is I never even thought of this, talking about the value of being yourself, how expensive it is to be someone or something other than yourself. But if you're any minority, be it a woman, person of color, whatever the case might be, someone yeah. with a diagnosis, it's probably yeah. twice as difficult to find yourself because society has so many ideas of who you're supposed to be. Yeah. And I think too, it, I think it's also just a coming of age thing. I think people need to struggle early on a little, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think we don't have an identity for a reason because we have to make one. And right. some people make one, um, like they kind of figure that out early and they're kind of always consistent with who they are. And some people mm -hmm. find that out much later and, you know, they shape, they shape shift over time. And I think I had somebody really recently tell me he had a someone from LA, right? You guys are from LA, so you guys will appreciate this. Someone <laughs> from LA that I was, I'm exploring a potential strategic partnership with said that he recently had a metamorphosis party for himself. <laughs> and I'm sure that's like, an, is that an okay. LA thing to have a metamorphosis party? It sounds, it's in line. Very LA, right? LA. Never yeah. heard so of it, though. I'll tell you what it is, but before I tell you, guess what it is. What do you think a metamorphosis um, party would be? Actually, I don't really know what it is, but I have my own idea of what I think it is. <laughs> or like I don't know. I'll, all I know is that when you have it, you better metamorphosize after the, you know. Well, and, totally. and in today's society. Well, what like, reminds you of a metamorphosis? Like a butterfly or like caterpillar sure. turning into a butterfly, right? Like what sure. else do yeah. you guys think of? Coming out, maybe, you know, whether someone's coming out in terms of their sexual identity, transgender, mm -hmm. career change, um, mm -hmm. religion change, you know, who yeah. knows? Yeah, totally. Relationship yeah. changes. Yeah. I yeah. love that too. Like maybe it's a, like, I just got out of a 10 year relationship or something metamorphosis. You know, there's some probably really intense metamorphosis, metamorphosis, metamorphoses. Metamorphosis. I like that. Metamorphosis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably several that we all go through in our life. And I think that's commonly characterized as a midlife crisis. But I think mm -hmm. the problem is in our society, we are not very sensitive to trauma or emotions, right? Right. And our, we have a very traumatized culture and you can see it in our media. You can see it in our, the way we talk to each other online, the way we um, put sure. each other down. I think mm -hmm. we have a very individualistic culture that is being exacerbated by COVID. Um, that concerns me. Um, and that's why I'm really trying to build grassroots community because autistic people are commonly, we're, we're solo venturers, which is great, but it, can be hard for us to find any community anywhere. Sure. Um, right, we feel very right. lonely. We feel extremely lonely. And especially mm -hmm. if we're late diagnosed, if we don't look autistic, if we don't sound autistic, if we can speak in clear sentences, then we have no resources. So that's the other thing is it's like for the high masking autistic people, we've been trying to tell people things aren't right our whole lives, but they just brush it off. And like, mm. because we have the coping skill of masking, 
And because I'm so terrified to advocate for myself and I actually tend to take on more than I ever actually ask for, like I'm a, have you heard of Adam Grant, the organizational psychologist? Oh, no. okay, I, think I, I, know of, I know of his name, I think, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Grant is a favorite of mine. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he wrote a book called Give and Take. Um, and mm-hmm. I haven't completely read it yet, but you know, when you buy a book and you're like, I understand this concept and I can just, whenever I'm ready to like explore this concept more, I'll just flip through this book. I bought that book right. for that reason, because he talks a lot about giving and taking. And he says that there's three personalities that we uh, show at work and it's the uh, preacher, the politician and the uh, pastor, I think. No, three P's. Hold on. The preacher, the politician, it's basically like the preacher is somebody who thinks they know everything already and they're not wanting to listen to more ideas. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like archetypes at work of like things that get you into trouble if you're not really practicing give and take and compassionate understanding. Um, and so the politician is somebody who isn't really authentic, right? They're going to kind of like mold to whatever you want them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's traditionally how politicians have been. Right. Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> and then I, fr- I think the third one is, is the prosecutor. The... Oh, yeah, prosecutor. Uh, so that's the like argumentative, very disagreeable personality type. Yeah. It's like I'm right, it's my way or the highway, right? So we've got oh, future yeah. politician, Judgment. prosecutor. Yeah. Gotcha. And I, I just love his conceptualizations of like workplace personalities and of mm-hmm. um like what giving and taking should look like. And I think a lot of autistic people have been giving, 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 especially if we're mm-hmm. masking, that we don't even know how to take. Like we have no concept right. of how to take or how to ask for something because I look so functional and I seem so functional, even though I had to take two days off this week for migraines. But you wouldn't know that, right? right. So I think that's right. what happens is we're presenting so fine. And so that when we're when we're kind of saying we're struggling or asking for help, we're kind of doing that mm-hmm. quietly and softly and without a lot of vigor. And so when we get the batted, you know, like, oh, you're fine, or just like, you know, take a deep breath or get your mindset right, right? When we're given mm-hmm. that kind of feedback, when we're trying to kind of say, hey, I'm not okay, um, mm-hmm. that is our screaming out for help. Because we're not even asking for help until we are at the like, not it's okay in. zone, yeah. um, which can be confusing to people because they're like, wait, you're in crisis right now? Like you look fine. Yeah. I want to, I want to, if we can get to your your career and your work, but yes, go I'm back sorry. Mind. I know this, I this is windy, and I apologize. If no, I'm no, okay. no, no, I, I don't no. Want to go, I don't want to go there yet. I want to stay on the on the on the mental health thing because we had a, okay. we had a conversation, and I think that, and you can share as much as as you want. But I was fascinated sure. and alarmed by the by the incidence of 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 suicide rate among among yeah. women in autism, and why, that's what I was going to say. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. And so why yeah. and why that's so prevalent and and you know what your thoughts are are about about that because again i was floored when you first brought that up with us yeah that's a great topic did you want to say something sean well yeah what i was going to say is i want to get to the career and everything but i know that the path to that was based on your childhood and because you're an open book brian and i are actually thinking the same thing i just complicated it by putting that first what i meant was the the trauma since you're open about that sure, you know sure. your experience and then getting into the statistics as brian mentioned which yeah. neither one of us knew anything about yeah absolutely wow yeah this is such a great topic and this is actually something that i'm even co- talking about in the corporate spaces i'm not just talking about this with my community or on my patreon right like i am discussing this publicly um, and openly and i'm even posting things on linkedin about it that are getting amazing views and amazing reach because People don't want to discuss it and people people feel uncomfortable about it. But the fact that so many people are experiencing this that are autistic makes it something that just cannot be put up, shoved under the rug, right? And mm-hmm. it's like the numbers are so dramatic in terms of how many autistic women that are high masking, specifically in my category, who are planning suicides, who are following through with those plans and, um, you know, going all the way there, 10%, I think is the statistic for one out of every 10 high masking autistic women commit suicide. And it's absolutely, absolutely unacceptable. Um, The reason why that happens is because if you have no framework for understanding of what is my brain? How does it work? Why is it doing that? Is it different than this person's brain? If you don't have any of that context about who I am, not just personality, right? We're talking about finding yourself. Finding yourself is very different from like, understanding you have a disability, uh-huh. right? And I, I, I want to say that, and I speak about this stuff with such like passion and like, I, it makes me angry. I'm actually upset. 
Like I'm upset for all of the women and men and non-binary people who are autistic, but don't, who don't know, because if you don't know, you have no chance of self-acceptance at all. No chance, no shot. And if we think of Maslow's hierarchy, are you guys familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if we're thinking of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we can insert graphic here. Just kidding. I don't know if you can do that. <laughs> I know. I wish we had that. <laughs> but, um, Sean Hall, we'll put it on yeah, the chat. I'm go. sure. We'll see I can describe it. Yeah. Um, so I may not get this perfectly right, so don't quote me on it. But okay. I do know that um, on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's basically the order of needs in terms of like what humans need to survive and self-actualize. So right. it starts at the bottom and it starts with, am I sleeping? Am I eating? Am I drinking water? Do I have shelter? Do I have safety and security in my home? Um, all that kind of stuff. Like, do I have that kind of lockdown? And then once you get past like these physical and like these hunger needs and these safety needs, you get to the self-esteem layer and self-esteem is built through like strong and mutually beneficial and like just these beautiful relationships that you develop over your lifetime. Right. Mm -hmm. For autistic people, many of us are struggling to even develop one friendship that is authentic or that is good or that is healthy or beneficial. And many of us are seven to times more likely, seven to nine times more likely to enter relationships with narcissists and um, mm. abusive relationships because we have such codependent tendencies because we've been masking for so long. We like copy and paste traits around us to try and make people like us more because we mm. think that's what they want us to do. And we have no concept of any other way to live because we don't know we're autistic. Do you know what I'm saying? So it all comes back to like, I have no concept of how to be because I have no concept of my disability. Um, yeah. And it is a disability. Mm. I mean, there's level one, two and three autism. And a lot of people that are confused about me being autistic um, know somebody with level two or level three autism and they compare me to that. Right. And they say, you know, I have a cousin or an aunt who's autistic and they can they not speak like you. They're not as articulate mm -hmm. as you, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you're really comparing apples and oranges. Um, and I have a lot more in common with your cousin or aunt than like you could possibly imagine. I mean, we oh, have the same experience. We just have different levels of that experience. And wow. I say that because I think the way I describe autism in its most simplistic form, it's extremely complex and it's most simplistic explanation. It's just an overwhelming sensory experience because our brains have never figured out how to filter or process information. Right. And so we have no shortcuts in our brain for anything. It's always the long way. And what that means is most neurotypicals have developed shortcuts for everything, like talking to somebody, say, you know, uh, hanging out yeah. with mom, hanging out with my friend, you know, context switching, right? They have kind of like these shortcuts for these context switching things. For autistic people, we don't even have like, we don't even have the first layer of that. Like we have so much detail our brain is sorting through and processing all the time. Like I'm trying to talk to you guys, but I can also hear like the bubbling of my water next to me. And I can also hear like my cat walking by down over there. So it's just so sensitive and I have no way for my, my brain doesn't pick something and focus. It, it hears everything at all times. So I have to always be accommodating the fact that I have no filter or focus in my brain. Um, and if you think about that as the root, everything else makes sense, right? Why are why is communication so hard? Because we're over-processing it. We're overthinking it. We're, we're processing later. We're taking longer to think through all the events than somebody who's taking shortcuts and who's thinking of summaries. We're always thinking of every bullet point, every word, every letter, everything, all of it. So much detail, uh, which makes us great researchers. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's why yeah. that's why we become so obsessed with our special interests because it's a way for us to regulate ourselves and say like, I can actually get my brain to completely focus on this topic for like five hours. How amazing is that? It feels great because I'm so used to being so overwhelmed by just being alive that when I can create a space for myself at home where I'm comfortable and I'm doing something that I like, maybe I'm drawing or coloring by myself, laying on the floor or whatever, I can get into flow. Like we talked about at the beginning, I can get into autistic flow, like immediately And autistic flow is dangerous sometimes because it can last 10 hours in a row. So oh. sometimes I can work for 10 straight hours and get three presentations made or create a whole proposal in one day. Um, that's why I think also the approach to how neurodivergent people work has to be different because we just work in different styles and speeds, right? So mm -hmm. I might burn myself out two days of working all day, but then I should be able to take four days off if I did two weeks worth of work, right? Sure. Wow. Sure. Wow. Sure. How has, um, how has your 
your experience with trauma affected your path and um, yes i'm sorry and where I know you that was are the original question i'm no that's okay that. i'm sorry that, that's, no trust me you're adding uh, i'm trying to add value, value where i can so that it's yeah. um, as applicable to as many <laughs> audience members as possible but right. um yeah so trauma i i brought up originally that it's inherently traumatizing to not know you're disabled so i will say that's always a layer that's going to be there for every person who's late diagnosed, they already automatically have childhood trauma from being autistic and not knowing they're autistic, right? So that's like already traumatizing. And then in my case, I also had a very traumatizing situation I was in from age zero to 11 um, that I don't feel comfortable speaking about extremely in detail, but I will say mm -hmm. it was prolonged and severe trauma for a long time from a situation I was in when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And that really severely affected my view of self because autistic people mask. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Autistic people mask because we're scared to spontaneously express ourselves because we think if we spontaneously express ourselves, if we stem or if we flap our hands or if we shake a little bit, or if we move our body the way we actually want to, or if we say the things we actually are coming to mind instead of over filtering and thinking of the social cues and context, a lot of us don't understand that stuff and we mess up all the time and we're constantly like confused about why somebody doesn't like us anymore or like we'll lose friends randomly and there's a lot of experiences autistic people have with friends just because we don't play by normal friendship rules you know mm -hmm. and we're looking for friends that are accommodating that are you know interested in what we're interested in we're we're monologuing too long with our neurotypical friends they're telling us they're not interested in the things we like and we're just feeling traumatized by being almost bullied and ostracized by people all the time um, but also like with the added layer of childhood incidences of trauma, I think what that did to me is one, it taught me how to mask earlier and harder. So I think the reason why I mask so well, um, and it's kind of a superpower and a kryptonite because the superpower of masking is I get to share this, these stories with the world in a way that they'll understand. But what's bad about masking is sometimes I even convince myself that I'm fine when I'm not. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. So any other questions? <laughs> no, I, and I, well, I think it leads to, and, and, and again, uh, the incidence of mm, CPTSD we should of... talk about, sorry, go ahead, but we should talk about complex trauma next. Okay. Or I can go into it or you ask the question. Hold, hold the thought right there. The, mm -hmm. Wait, just cause you, you sort of glossed over the idea that while 10% carry out, you know, oh, right. The statistics. But, but the but the thirty three percent of women, thirty five planning thirty five percent are planning, mm -hmm. are planning mm -hmm. their own. Yes, so is and that related to what your doc talking about? It is about, related. Man? It That's is. Right I'm yeah. There's so much trauma in my life. <laughs> so I had the childhood trauma. I had the uh, disability with no idea, and then yeah. I started working um, at this company when I had just found out I was disabled. So when you first find out you're disabled you're warming up to the idea for a long time, right? Because there's stigmas out there and there's also internalized stigma that you have to work really hard to eradicate. And so an example that would be um, something called, you guys familiar with the term gaslighting? Oh, for sure. Okay, so yeah. gaslighting if for viewers or for listeners that don't know what gaslighting is, um, it's essentially like trying to disorient someone, like purposefully disorienting someone into believing that what they do feel or what they, what did happen, didn't happen, or they don't feel that way, or they don't deserve uh -huh. to feel that way. Right. It's kind of like invalidating someone completely in their point mm -hmm. of view. Autistic people are, that are high masking are superhero, not superheroes, sorry, are super, super, super good at gaslighting themselves. Uh -huh. And that's a bad thing, right? Because I can always hear my own internal voice saying like, don't be a, you know, uh -huh. don't be a loser. Like just go to the party right? Just uh -huh. go to the club, just drink more this time so that you can get through it. Like, it's just this constant, like you need to do it to fit in, or you're going to be ostracized. You need to mm -hmm. do it. You need to go. You need to say these things, be this person. You know, it's kind of like this awful, like, it's like a bad Gemini cricket, you know, uh -huh. it's like an evil one. Mm. It's like, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> not the kind that helps you, but the kind that just like wants you to be better and more the devil on your shoulder. Less, yeah. It's just like, yeah, be less disabled ask for less help. Like you're a burden to everybody. You know, it's just very self-hating and self-loathing. And I like the idea of separating that and saying that's like a mean Jiminy Cricket because that's not you. But I think so many of us mistaken that voice for us, right? Uh -huh. 
And so for those of us who are high masking and we can't figure out how to alleviate it by accommodating ourselves and we can't figure out how to alleviate it by meeting other autistic people or sharing experiences or even identifying like the traits for ourselves, we're not getting better. <laughs> we're not we're not moving towards that self-acceptance or that self-compassion or that self-protection. We're not setting boundaries. We're we're still in those abusive relationships, right? We're if we're not if we have no access to that information or that knowledge or a good information source to teach us that we're autistic, then we're going to plan our suicides because there's just no other concept of like what reality could be. Wow. Mm. We're talking to Alex Pearson for those who are listening and uh, Alex is, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just as I was before and have been for the months that I follow you on, on social media, just, I'm just, I'm mesmerized by, your articulation of, of a situation that I think majority of people, even in the special needs community, have no no real true concept of or no way of really yeah. understanding. Yeah. And I think that's it, why the TikTok went so viral. Um, I mean, I've had over, I saw a website the other day that said I have 72 million video, views on my videos. Wow. Wow. Like, I don't even Amazing. understand. I have no concept of how many people <laughs> that is. Like, I just don't, 72 million people. I just can't even believe it. So I've had my videos viewed that many times and like, that's not a mistake, you know? I mean, you can get one video to go on viral on TikTok and be like, maybe it was a fluke, but like I was having every video go viral for the most part. Yeah. Like I was consistently getting videos at least once a month, hitting 250 to 300,000 views per video and getting like hundreds of thousands of saves and likes and shares and comments. And it's just, I mean, if anyone's interested in the ND experience at all, I mean, just go watch my TikTok, but read the comments. I mean, the comments are insane. It and means I you're have, speaking to people, yeah. Yeah, and it's just the engagement is ridiculous. And I have just some of the best engagement of any other um, community leader, I guess, on TikTok. I just hate the word leader. I don't want to feel like I'm in charge of stuff. I, it's a collaborator, community collaborator, I think I am, because um, I just don't see any other community collaborators doing this from a positive perspective, doing this from a business lens, um and from like a practical application standpoint and like personal experience so i haven't seen something with all of those elements combined that i think i bring to the space and and then you've taken that and you've actually gone into work environments now be between that your education and your mm -hmm. experience and now again informing people of how to work with and you know folks folks that are dealing with with a disability if you will exactly. so talk talk about that because that's because that's really where you're going now right yeah like, how do you, so should just i just talk about, about my business and like some yeah of the yeah things? tell us about I your work i would love yeah. to do that so i just started my company actually alex llc um i filed it like two weeks ago so we're we're officially up and running. we're in business and um it's really exciting so i'm doing a lot of different things because like i said earlier in our pre-talk i'm just so adhd and um i'm like so blessed with the cocktail of so many disabilities i'm like adhd autistic um anxiety major depression um i only had major depression recently and i will say that caused me a burnout from my mm. workplace but now i am going and speaking about suicide autistic burnout because autistic burnout is one of the main reasons why autistic people are committing suicide um mm. it's because we're so overwhelmed with and exhausted oh yeah so it's actually with three underscores alex okay yeah that's it perfect that's, that's, that's um <laughs> but yeah we're exhausted and we're exhausted from everything you know so imagine being neurodiverse and not even knowing that headphones could help you i just got my first pair pair of headphones that are noise canceling and now i wear them around my house and i can't imagine how I lived before I had those. You know what I'm saying? It's just little things like that, where it's, if you know you're overly sensitive, you would know to do that. But if you don't, you just think everybody's sensitive. Right. Does that make sense? Right, mm -hmm. for sure. Complete sense. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So into the business. Uh, so I started actually Alex so that I could explore a lot of pathways in terms of how I want to be a community collaborator. I didn't, I don't know exactly what I want to do yet. I'm 26. Like there's so much life to live and there's so much to explore. And <laughs> I mean, as yeah. COVID is wrapping up, hopefully, um, maybe, I don't know, it seems to just keep getting worse. It does but, seem yeah. to keep going. Um, yeah. Eventually, 
eventually as it as things return to normal to an extent i'm excited to travel more to different countries to underserved communities to i'd love to do some trips to africa and things like that to work with children who are in highly stigmatized communities i mean they're we're in one of the best places in the world for autism research and it is still stigmatized in this country so imagine like if we're ahead of everybody the only places that are ahead of us in terms of like inclusion of neurodivergent people at work and in society are probably australia and the uk i would say mm -hmm. london i would say the uk and australia are where i see a lot of things similar to what i'm doing but i'm not seeing much of that here um i'm seeing some of it here it's sprouting but mm -hmm. It's just crazy because we're the number one producer of autism research in the world and we're behind other countries in terms of our inclusion. Tell us in a little more detail exactly what it is that you do because you're speaking to corporations yes. and things like that, right? Yes. Um, yes. What exactly does your work in? Yeah, so it's a three prong approach. Um, mm -hmm. I would say like I have three categories of things that I do. So one is Patreon. Um, so it's the same name for my Patreon. It's actually, uh, it's just actually patreon.com slash actually Alex. So there's no underscores. It's just actually okay. Alex. Okay. Um, and with my Patreon, I have three different tiers. And the Patreon is really where I'm exploring my creative freedom and my storytelling the most. Um, that's where I'm really connecting with people and serving them directly. So mm -hmm. for $3 a month, um, users will have access to all of my podcasts. So I'm actually starting my own podcast and I'll have you guys on as well. Um, <laughs> I'm starting my own podcast. Um, and I may have a co-host, so I'm working on that. I'm kind of getting things set up right now. But I will be having on, you know, really fascinating neurodivergent people. And, you know, it, it just will be very exciting. I'll have Dr. Natalie on, who is an autism and trauma expert. So we'll just have some different people on to talk about different things. And it'll be fun. Um, so for $3 a month, you'd have access to the podcast. You'd have access to my personal blogging. And um, you'd actually get to re specifically request resources. So in the Patreon... I haven't made a single thing or said a single thing that people didn't ask for. Mm -hmm. So I'm not guessing what people need or what they want to see. I'm directly asking my community members to even DM me personally, because I have mm. I have about 35 patrons right now. So it is okay. such an intimate and close circle. And I love it because I'm able to one on one communicate with everyone at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and as it grows, I'll be interacting more intimately with like the larger or like the, the top the higher tiers, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So $3 a month access to all posts for $6 a month. We're doing a movie and TV show club. So everybody's submitting like their top three most influential movies and TV shows in their life. And I'm creating a poll where everybody's polling and they're voting on which ones we should watch and just kind of discuss and in, in formats online. Um, it'll be fun. And we'll like yeah. relate autism to everything because that's what autistic people do. We just like relate everything to our autism. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. So it'll be very autistic and very like free space, safe space, open space. And I have full on ability, capability to kick anyone out. That's like trolling. So there can be no trolls. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So Patreon is prong one. Prong mm -hmm. number two is this business piece. So I am doing business consulting, um, and I'm doing, business, uh, like SME consulting. So I'm doing like strategic direction. And, uh, I also build and implement training programs. I've built and implement implemented neurodiversity programs at fortune 100 companies. I've also built accommodations processes for fortune 100 companies. So I have quite a bit of experience in the executive level, but I also have a lot of experience on the employee level. And I like to work across all of those different, um, hierarchy lines because I don't believe in hierarchy. <laughs> So yeah, <laughs> not that no, I don't I believe you. in it. I believe in like people being wiser and knowing more, but I, I think everything should be approached from like a peer perspective because it should always be collaborations between people. I think right. people are people and it's right. really strange when you start to give people roles and say that they're worth less than someone else. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's such a strange concept, like the concept of like, you get this title and paid this much. And so you're less than this person and this person mm -hmm. you can't talk to because they're much higher than you. I think that like, I just don't like the power dynamics. The value that. system or lack thereof. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's why I will never do that within my company. Um, and I also only work four to five hours a day and I don't work Fridays. And so there's a reason why I do that because I know all of the research and IO and I know that, that will create the most productive conditions for anyone who I work with or for. Um, so I, I also love to like share my radical practices with 
um, companies too, and just say like, hey, if you're if you're looking to hold on to any of those 70% of millennials that are about to quit your company that are really going to be driving the future here, then you might want to consider these different mm -hmm. business practices because they're leaving to find a better environment. Absolutely. Right? It's if, a you're better, yeah, sure. if you're not going to accommodate them, if you're not going to accommodate your neurotypicals, like you're out of luck right now. Great resignation mm -hmm. is what we're what we the great resignation. Right? The great yeah, resignation. Right. I'm part of it. I did it. Yeah. I would advocate for it. And I'm also, um, in terms of business help, I'm not just helping out corporations. I'm also starting an Audi to Audi uh, dictionary, like directory on my website mm -hmm. that'll be launching in January. And there will be so many services on there for, it'll be Audi to Audi, like autistic to autistic services. And I'm even picturing mm -hmm. a future that's crazy. where like, we're just um, exchanging goods and services. Like we're like pilgrims or something you know what i mean like we don't necessarily have to like a trading pay. post yeah i mean it could be in crypto i mean it could be in ethereum it could be in shuba or whatever the new shuba. thing is yeah. Shuba. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. yeah so it so, could be any form of currency um it's just yeah. audis to audis so it could be iep consultants so we have autistic people who would go with you to your iep meetings with your disabled children and make sure that child is being taken care of and advocated for properly and doing their own assessments with them one-on-one -on -one. i have so many friends who offer amazing services and so what i'm doing is for free i'm just going to publish anyone who's nd who i'm value aligned with and then right. for people who want help with uh, like personal branding, marketing strategy for getting more clients outside of what I would refer to them for free, um, then I'm, I'm going to charge a small, small, small fee for that. But I'm really not trying to profit off of the community. I'm really just trying to build back like love into it and connection. Love that. So tell us about your, your own great resignation. What work did you come <laughs> from once you discovered the path that you wanted to forge for yourself? Totally. Um, so I worked as a consultant for, um, like I said, Fortune 100 companies in my last position. It was a great, it was a great experience. And I wouldn't be able to do any of the things I'm doing now without that experience. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like because I worked for, when I started working there, I was the third employee. So it was very much so like on the ground floor. Mm -hmm. And um, I was able to see that through to like making a lot of hires and, you know, starting new initiatives and gaining new clients. And created and operationalized that program um, with my colleagues there. And I felt like my heart was in it, but there was just a different way to explore community supporting. Does that make sense? I felt like with the TikTok, here's really what happened, right? As the TikTok continued to grow and expand as well, I felt like I wasn't serving that community properly because I was only spending my ancillary time, like extra time on TikTok because I didn't have time to manage that large of an account. I mean, it's hard to manage a social media account that has hundreds of thousands of people because for sure I'm getting thousands of comments per day. I'm getting messages every day. And I'm, I'm at the point now where if somebody is an assistant and they, I'm just kidding, I'm going to hire an assistant who's autistic, but I seriously <laughs> cannot um, handle the amount of messages I get. I'm already, I already have a social disability. Like I'm already tired of talking to people and like, I love people, but like, I can't answer them all and it's stressful. And so because you I feel the need to, that you have to answer them yes, all. Is that right? Yes, you feel like you have I to did answer them all. For a long time, when I first started TikTok, when it just had a few hundred followers, I was messaging everyone. I was commenting on everybody's comments and I was really highly engaged because it was taking me like 30 minutes a day to do that. And now if I were to do that at the rate I was, it would take me 12 hours a day, if not more, yeah. and I would never get through it. It would just be yeah. never ending. And so I needed to create a solution that felt like community and felt high touch, but wasn't necessarily one-to-one, -one, mm. you know? Um, so that's why I've tried to be really innovative with the way I'm using Patreon. And I'm inspiring a lot of engagement with it by not saying like, hi, I'm assuming your needs or I'm Googling your needs instead of just asking you, right? Because <laughs> that's also going to make that community buy into what my vision is and to right. allow them to participate in that vision. Um, I didn't talk about the third Patreon tier, but it's $12 a month. And for $12 a month, you're basically a board member for my company. Um, mm. And you get direct access to, you get like announcements early. So I've announced the Audi to Audi network already, but I'm not going to publicly announce it until January because I want my network of people to know that I'm doing that and be able to work on that before I release it so I can publish it for them. Um, so I'm just really trying to make sure the community is as involved and as heard as possible. And I'm just sort of like a facilitator for that voice to be heard. You know what I'm saying? That's how I view yeah. myself as like a facilitator and a messenger and a connector. That's how and we that are. was, and that, and yes, an educator. For, sh for sure. And that was the message that I 
saw when I first um, came across your profile. By the way, I, I think I found you on on LinkedIn. Really? And then started I'd love to and hear then that. yeah, and then started following. But, but you and you had posted something, and I thought again, an advocate. Um, you were doing something unique in the in corporate environment. Mm-hmm. You know that I hadn't seen anywhere else. And I started to to follow and watch the work that you were doing. And, you know, again, the the community, the community is going to be well served by somebody who who has, you, you know, such broad and deep thoughts as you and your ability oh, to articulate you. it in such a way that, that you're all inclusive, which I think is is the great thing about. So neurotypical folks who listen that there's again, you've opened my eyes to so many things in just in the last two conversations that we've had that I had no idea about that has given me a, a change of perspective. I know for, for Sean, who's the parent of a child with autism, I'm sure that that you've, you've, you know, his, his brain is, I'm not speaking for you, Sean, but I mean, I'm sure he's going as well. But so I look at it from the corporate perspective and how we can impact the, the, the world, the work environment. Mm-hmm. And Sean, from a, from a family perspective, how can we help to make the world a better place. So when my child is ready to take that next step, that there's something in place. Folks like you are, that's what we call you a superhero because you're helping to guide the path to create inclusion and inclusion. Mm -hmm. I feel bad. I feel so um, sympathetic for parents. I, I would say empathetic, but I don't know what it's like to be a parent yet. So I can't say I completely understand, but I do feel sympathetic because I know that parents are bombarded with information when their child is diagnosed. And it's a scary thing. And I've been asked by a lot of people like the same question, which is, um, what do I say? This is my last podcast I was on. They said they said that they often have to tell parents that they think their child is autistic because they work with so many autistic kids. They they just know when a child is autistic, right? And so they'll they brought had a few situations where they brought it up to the parent that the child was autistic and or that maybe could be, and the parent just, no, can't. Like the stigma is too much. Like the stigma is mm-hmm. too much. I don't want to accept that my child's autistic. I don't want to like, or maybe I went home and Googled it and I just got terrified because there's uh-huh. just so many terrifying statistics. And to that, I would say um, for anyone interested in like, this is a very niche subject, but it's an open source article. Um, if you look up the autism industrial complex, um, this is a multi-billion dollar industry, basically preying on the fears of parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and saying that uh, your child will never amount to anything because they are disabled oh. and like they are going to constantly have problems in life and they will not be able to graduate from high school or college. And my best friend is probably autistic. I hope she sees this and she finally agrees with me. But she's ADHD for sure. She's dyslexic. Um, and she was in special ed her whole life. And um, she had she's brilliant. She just finished her master's in recreational therapy and she's like doing amazingly. But when she was diagnosed as dyslexic, her doctor said she wouldn't be able to graduate from high school, that she's just not very smart. Wow. Like you, you know what I mean? Here's the thing. There's so much research now coming out like is saying that grit is so much more grit and passion and attitude are so much more important than intelligence. How many Mm -hmm. intelligent people are failing out of college because they have no study habits? because they've always just been good at things, right? Yeah. So yeah. there's there's a lot of different ways and pathways to being successful and success is so defined differently by every person because it is not sure. a, a measure of success to me and my personal measures of success to have 80 friends that I hang out with every week. Like I don't care. And I don't think that makes me <sighs> less cool. You know, I think it's cool that I have things I like by myself and I'm trying to make that cool. You know what I mean? That's also what I'm trying to do with my brand is to make hanging out alone cool again. Yeah. And like, it's also cool to just know that that's again. you. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. And another service that I offer is a little quirky. Do you want to hear? Sure. Sure. I'm autistic. Okay. Every autistic person has like a quirky <laughs> thing or like eclectic, eclectic things. Uh, so I actually am a tarot card reader. <laughs> wow. Um, I haven't actually said this publicly at all or talked about it. Um, but it's one of the ways that I healed myself. I actually think I healed myself through my own like way of healing. Oh. I, I like operationalized and created a process and I'm actually going to create an app, <laughs> but this is like future, future. Yeah, state. sure. Sure. Uh, like mm-hmm. a five-year vision, five to 10 year vision. Um, but the tarot cards I use are specifically made for empowerment and self-care and I'm a psychologist. So I know that tarot cards the reason why they work and why people are so interested in them and why it's been an ancient mystical thing forever for thousands of years and all of the cultures is because um, tarot cards 
are essentially Jungian psychology. Are you guys familiar with mm -hmm. Jungian psychology? Oh, Jung, yeah, I was a mm -hmm. psych major, so yeah. Yes, okay. Mm -hmm. Jungian psychology is essentially about how humans learn through story and meaning and hero and villain and like we all naturally think of things in archetypes and in aspects of human humanity right aspects of humanity are all just so multi-layered and multicolored, and there's so much like good and evil and all these different like dichotomies right mm -hmm. and um my specific tarot card deck is called neo tarot it's like a new age deck and it's essentially taking that ancient wisdom and those ancient philosophies and ideas and bringing them all to the modern era and um so the cards yeah. that i have there's 72 of them and um they have different meanings if you basically shuffle them and you pull three of them and there's yeah. different meanings for them if they're um like reverse so if you if you draw a card and it's upside down it basically says like you have something to work on uh -huh. and if you draw a card and it's like right side up then it's usually either like you you know it might be an evil based card or a good based card it might like really gas you up and say keep doing what you're doing or like what about what you're doing is good and like what should you continue so it kind of gives you like these really fun and very specific structured questions to reflect so oh, wow. no matter what it like cards you get because here's the thing i don't think like i'm doing magic i don't think that they're magic i think they're <laughs> cards i think they're cards <laughs> but um i think that they're incredibly inspiring and each card has like a very specific self-care so for example when i was like starting my own company and I was really nervous. I was pulling cards all the time because I needed that, like, I needed that uplifting message, right? I need those messages in my right. head because I couldn't create them for myself. And I pulled a card that said the high priestess or something. And it said that like, I was meant to do what I'm doing. Mm. And um, I looked at the self-care and it said, drive to the ocean, meditate, like as the sun's rising. And I live an hour from Galveston beach. So I just like woke up the next, I said, okay, I'm just going to do it. Like I have to do it. I'm committing. And so the next day I went, drove all the way to Galveston and I just sat, I mean, I felt like I was in a movie or something, but like we can all make ourselves feel like we're in movies for sure. And I don't know why mm -hmm. we're not doing that more. Like why we're not focusing on experience right now, especially because we're all locked in at, in our houses. Like there's so many fun things to explore in your home or like, I love to rearrange my house. I just moved everything yesterday just for fun. And <laughs> I love doing stuff like that. And I love helping other people rearrange their house or do their makeup or whatever. I just am such a service person. I think I just yeah. love to give and do for people other people mm -hmm. um but like learning how to give and do things for myself has been what i've been working on this year and that's why i think that i'm doing so well right now because um, wow. i have more self-respect as well it's amazing i i, I would uh, as i said in the very beginning we we're going to feel the sense of flow and i'm <laughs> getting buzzed by uh yeah by 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 sean hall our producer in hawaii was like hey you're on a two minute mark and so like, yes. my gosh, this went by so fast <laughs> um but alex alex we could talk to you you know for hours i think i'm 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 fascinated i sat here for I'm just, just, just soaking it up and it's it's so amazing oh, and i think good would love to have you back we definitely want to track your progress we want to keep totally. on what you're doing we're promote you know what is it that that you're doing Thank i think you. i would love to work. do the same for you too we'll definitely have you guys on mine and i would love to uh when you guys come on my podcast i'd love for anybody who's listening to submit questions to you guys like any questions they want to ask me or like even you guys too or perspectives mm -hmm. that people have or comments you're getting bring them on my show and we'll sure. make my show all about q a and like we can kind of do a debrief of this call and figure out how people have reacted and responded and i think we can make our theme our episode around that for sure for yeah. sure definitely. definitely so as as we wrap and and when we end the broadcast stay stay on alex don't don't okay but i'll i'll we'll wrap the we'll wrap the episode up here by uh, and i'll just go, go go quickly and say and i think you're a perfect example i always say that now more than ever you know it, empathy and love is what will make the world a better place yes. if we can look at someone's yeah. someone's uh life with, with a sense of empathy and through the lenses of love the world will be a better place. So today, uh, today was a perfect example of, of hearing such an amazing story. I'm so Ooh, grateful. One other thing I want to add to that, to what you said, yes. is my pillars of hope are these two things, self-compassion, self-protection. I need to, to be balanced. I have to practice both. I can't just love myself. I have to always also protect myself. So I have to set mm -hmm. boundaries with myself against myself, right? If I want to work all night, I have to say, Alex, no, you cannot, right? That's also a form of self-protection. That's not self-love, sure. that's self-protection. So we need to always be thinking in terms of how we can love ourselves better and how we can protect ourselves and protect our energy. Yeah, beautiful. Most definitely. Beautiful. Sean, you want to wrap us up here? 
Yeah, I will. I will do that. I'll. 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 I'll save our tip. Our usual question. I don't know if we yeah, have, yeah, have room yeah. for that. No, but yeah. uh, we'll I want to thank time. everyone. Everyone that took the time to um to join us here today, whether you're watching us live or catching us on any of the other platforms wherever you catch podcasts. I want to thank Alex for her time here. Thank Brian and and so grateful for this opportunity in this platform. And remember. Um, there's no such thing as special needs. There's only human needs. Everyone needs to know that they're heard, seen, and loved, and that they matter. And I want to thank the women in my life without whom I couldn't attempt to be uh, who I aspire to be. And that is uh, my mom, Jan, and my amazing wife, Laura. And um, wherever you are, you're watching us. Uh, we love you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. Amazing show. Amazing conversation.